So day by day, the world is becoming more unstable. We can hear of wars and rumors of wars, false cries, famines, earthquakes, and pestilence. Nations rising against nations. Christians being attacked and murdered at a, high, a rapidly pace. But, Dan, but Daniel 2.28 says, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And we don't need to run around in a frenzy. We should not faint, fear, or fret, because there is a God in heaven. The prophet Daniel, too, lived in a constant world of change. Empires were rising and falling. His own nation, Israel, was wiped off the earth like a stain. But Daniel's spirit remained steady because he understood the sovereign providence of the God of heaven. Daniel said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. In the last days, difficult times will come, but there is a God in heaven. And if you know Christ as your Savior, this God is your God. He rules and reigns, and our times are in his hands. Nothing is too big for God to handle, and nothing is too small to escape his attention. If you look at the Bible and observe how the Spirit of God unfolds in the sacred story, you will notice that God has always acted, even in the smallest details of history. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Galatians 4.4 says that when the set time had fully come, God sent Jesus. Even the details of the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ happened at the exact time set by God. And so it will be in his second coming. When Jesus came into the world, he didn't come to establish an institution, though institutions can serve his cause. He didn't come to organize a political party, though his teachings have a profound impact on politics. Jesus did not even come to establish a religion. No. Jesus began a movement. A movement filled by his spirit. A movement whose purpose was and is to change the face of the earth from the nightmare it often is into the dream that God intends. That's why his invitations are filled with so many active verbs. For example, in John 1.39, Jesus calls his disciples with the words, come and see. In Matthew Mark and Luke, he asks others to follow him. And at the end of the Gospels, Jesus sent his first disciples out with the word, go. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news to the whole world. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. 
Robert Coleman wrote a classic book on disciple making and he said, world evangelism is the divinely ordered goal for all of us disciples. Not only it is attainable, it is inevitable. Someday the gospel of the kingdom will be heard to the ends of the earth. The God of the universe will not be defeated in his purpose. Now Satan and the world will try to stop the church from advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Satan is doing that right now. He is distracting people from this purpose, isn't he? Satan is convincing many of us that there are more important things in life that we need to give our time to, our energy to, our money to, than the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Satan will try to distract us, to divide us. He is all the time turning Christians in conflict with each other. He desires to destroy us. He is, at this moment, attacking marriages, attacking families. There are battles raging for holiness and purity among God's people. There are battles with materialism and consumerism raging, even battles that we are blinded to. What I want you to know this morning is that Satan's strategy are not new. They have been there since the very beginning of the church. But we have a promise. We have a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of Christ cannot be stopped. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. With this in mind, I want to show you two things that we can humbly pray to God for our church and as a church family here in Naples, Florida. And for the sake of time today, we will only look at Acts chapter 4. But I really want you to encourage you this morning to read the following chapters when you get back home. So Acts chapter 4. In this chapter, Peter and John were put in jail. Because they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Miracles were happening in the name of Jesus. And persecution of the church had now begun in the book of Acts. So let's read verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand 
should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable, us to, enable your servants to speak with your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. So the first thing we need to ask God this morning, based on this passage, is God, give us confidence as we pray. I want you to see in this passage that even in the midst of chaos, we pray to the one who is in control of the world. Sovereign Lord is how they start in verse 24. After coming back from the jail, knowing that the church is now being persecuted, when they start praying, they say, Sovereign Lord. Our God has absolutely authority. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth and everything in it The world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Psalm 22, verse 28, dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Psalm 47, verse 8 and 9, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The leaders of the earth belong to God. And why am I sharing these verses with you this morning? Because the early church knew the scriptures. They knew the testimony of God's sovereignty in scriptures. They knew that even Christ's crucifixion was under God's sovereign control and purpose. And that's what they say in verses 27 and 28. They knew that everything that was happening around them, even the persecution they were now suffering, was not something that was not under the sovereign control of our God. This was foundation to the early church. And it must be foundation for us as well. This is the kind of confidence we need as we pray. No matter what happens in life, God is in control of every detail. And he is sovereign over everything. You need to be sure of your confidence in God and you need to pray with confidence. As beloved sons and daughters of God that we are in Christ Jesus, we should be confident that we can freely approach God and that's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. We can ask God for anything And if he says no, we can be sure that he knows what's best and he is in control of our lives. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If our lives belong to Christ and we are walking in obedience to him, then we can gladly Accept 
whatever comes our way. Let me repeat this. If our lives belong to Christ and we are walking in obedience to him, we can gladly accept whatever comes our way. And we can pray that God will use it in our lives to advance his kingdom. God is never surprised by our circumstances, whatever they might be. He is sovereign over every detail in our circumstance. So let us use it for the purpose of advancing his gospel through us. Remember, we pray to the one who is always faithful to his word. When we walk through difficulty, through trial, through persecution or cancer or other circumstances, for sure, you and I, when we get in a confusing and tough season, we can ask God and he has promised to give us all the wisdom we need. When we are anxious, he will give us peace. When we feel lonely, he will be with us. When we are weak, he will be strong on our behalf. That's why Jesus said in John 15 verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Meaning what? Ask whatever you wish according to my word. Because that's the key. God will always be faithful to his word. God will always provide for his people what they need for the accomplishment of his purpose. God will always provide everything you need to live for his glory. And for the advancement of his gospel and his kingdom on earth. Now think about it. This changed the way we pray. We pray to the one who is in control of everything in the world and who is always faithful to his word. We pray for Christ, like we sang, we pray for Christ to be magnified in our lives. Because that's what the early church was praying for. You can see in this passage, after all the chaos that they were living in, They were praying to the sovereign one to advance the gospel. You get to verse 25 and they start quoting from Psalms chapter 2. The psalm that talks about how the nations will come to Christ as his inheritance. They want Christ to be magnified. And through the boldness of their lives. They're not afraid. Did you hear what happened? How they prayed? They, they didn't say, look, Lord, upon their threats and protect us. No. They didn't say, look upon their threats and stop them from happening. No, they didn't pray like that. Instead, they prayed, Lord, whatever happens enables us in the middle of it all to speak with great boldness. Well, that's confidence in who is in control of our lives. Listen, the boldness of the church, seeking the honor and the glory of Christ, it's how the kingdom of God advances, and it is unstoppable. God's work around the world is spreading like a wild fire. 
So how does this affect the way we pray? Think about this question. How do we pray for our lives right here in Southwest Florida? Our comfortable lives. How do we pray for our church? For our missions, mission efforts here at home and overseas. This message was born in the airplane going to Kenya. Thinking about the American church. Sitting in their comfortable seats under the AC. How do we pray for the leaders in our network, in the Leadership Outreach Network, who are receiving theological education to better serve God? More than 1,800 of them now. How do we pray for our trainers in our network? Over 70 who understand the responsibility we have to prepare a new generation of godly men and women for, for ministry. How do we pray for those 53-plus training centers established now across 14 countries, including, including Kenya? And how do we pray for the 36 churches planted, churches planted since 2015? Yes, 36 churches planted through the people we have trained. How do we pray for them? How do we pray for us? These are big questions. Yes, we pray for our and their safety. Yes, we pray that everything will go okay when we are on the field ministering for Christ. Yes, we do that and more. We pray for boldness. We pray for courage. We pray for confidence. We pray for fearlessness. We pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We pray for Christ to be magnified and for his kingdom to advance through us. Listen, if we ever find ourselves in dangerous situations, not caused by foolishness on our part, of course, but find ourselves in some dangerous situations under the sovereign hand of God, then so be it. Our confidence in God enables us to pray boldly, even when everything goes wrong. I always pray like this with my family before I go on a mission trip. I gather them around and I remind them why I am doing this. Because I love Jesus, because he loves, he love compels us to move forward, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I tell my children, if one day I'm not there for you, I want you to remember this the rest of your life. God will always be there for you. Because that's his promise. No matter what circumstance in life. Listen, 
There are bigger things than comfort, protection, safety, security at stake in our lives as followers of Jesus. We should want Christ to be magnified in and through our lives. We should want the advancement of his kingdom on earth. So God, and that's how we pray, God, give us confidence as we pray. Help us to realize who we are praying to and what you have told us to pray for. Amen? So are you ready for the second one? <laughs> it's so silent here. <laughs> Well, it's good. I hope this message is soaking in your heart. The second one, the second thing we need to ask God is, God, make us generous with possessions. Acts 4, 32 to verse 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they have shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that, they, that there were no need persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought, brought the money to, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the, the apostles' feet. Did you catch what verse 32 said? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. What a statement. And here's the reality. We own anything, or we own nothing. We own nothing. Christ owns everything. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we own nothing. Christ owns everything. One of, the, one of Billy Graham's oldest friends and trustees made his fortune with the Standard Oil Company. He was a humble man and very serious about God. He would often say, shine eternity into time that the small things will remain small and the great things really great. Small things are those things in life that don't translate to the other side. Great things do. They are the things you take to heaven with you, the word of God and other people. Can you think of anything worse than pouring your life into something that is going to perish in a few months or a few years. Jesus warned, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This doesn't mean we should not provide for our future financial needs or care for our loved ones. No. The Bible tells us to be wise, wise stewards and prudent with worldly goods. But we should take a look at our lives and see if our activities, interests, habits and hobbies align with the eternal. 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Think about it. If we take this seriously, it will change the way we live. We will begin to think if Christ is really in control of everything, then where does he want me to live and work? And what does he want me to do with his money? College students, this is a great question for you to ask. If your life belongs to Christ, then you start asking, where do you want me to go for college? What do you want me to do with my life? The next couple of years, the next season of my life, where do you want to invest? Where do you want me to invest my life? That's a good way for you to start praying and asking the Lord, where should you go? And not just getting away from your parents for just for the sake to have fun or be free. If your life belongs to Christ Jesus, you live for Christ Jesus. And that's when we come face to face with the reality that everything belongs to Him. When we realize, we begin to give humbly our lives and our resources. There's no pride here, no competition for who can give most. This is not forced, listen, this is not forced, guilt-driven giving. This is gospel-saturated, grace-driven gift. It's people who are united together in the gospel of Jesus Christ, giving out of the overflow of their relationship with Christ. This is gospel-driven sacrifice. And as, I'm, as more as I, as I go overseas and I can experience the global church, I say, oh Lord, Do this in my heart, please. Change my own heart because I need you. It's so good to come back. Yes. But we need to look at the local, the global church. Oh, church in America, wake up. Please wake up, church in America. God has given it to us. He has given it to us. That's why we exist, Venture Church. That's why Venture Cares exists. That's why we give generously true leadership outreach to the gospel, to the God's mission, through the global church. I love what God is doing among us. Don't you love what God is doing among us? We have dozens of missionaries overseas that we support. Yes, dozens of missionaries. Love is moving among us because God is moving among us and we give humbly and we give sacrificially. And that's why you see this statement about the early church. There were no needy persons among them. 
And I want to encourage you to let this soak in your heart and mind. And let's ask God to take this upper middle class church in Naples, Florida. And show the world a wreck radically different view of possessions and let's ask God to do the same thing in the churches all over this country I read something in the past that said 80% of the world's evangelical wealth it is in North America and that total represents way more than we than enough to fund the fulfillment of the Great Commission church God has given it to us. Let's be confident as we pray to the one who rules everything. And let's be generous with possessions. So we pray, God, do your work in our hearts. And make us generous with the possessions you have given us to steward for you. Only one life to live it will soon be passed. And only, only, and only what's done for Christ will last. <laughs>